Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Padgett here and on this week's episode we're going to be chatting with Will Patterson to find out how he uses YouTube as a logo designer. Before we get into the interview, I do want to give a big shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, FreshBooks. Now, FreshBooks is a cloud accounting software that makes it really easy to create and send professional looking invoices in seconds. To try it out for yourself with a free unrestricted 30 day trial, all you need to do is visit freshbooks.com forward slash logo geek and be sure to enter logo geek in the how did you hear about us section this week i'm chatting with will patterson a hugely successful graphic designer who specializes in logo design and hand lettering but he's best known for his popular youtube channel which has over 234,000 subscribers which is insane Now, through his YouTube channel, Will has been consistently publishing video content every week, and he has some fantastic videos and tutorials on logo design and hand lettering, so I highly recommend checking those out. In this interview, we discuss the tools and processes he uses to create his video content. We also deep dive into his logo design and hand lettering processes, as well as learning how he became a hugely successful designer despite failing at school. This is a value-packed interview, so I hope that you'll get a lot out of it. So we start the interview discussing why Will started his YouTube channel. So let's get into this. Here's Will Patterson. When I was in school, there was a, I had a friend called uh, Jay who uh, had a YouTube channel and he basically did like GFX, so like proper gamer stuff. And he, he, he sort of sparked my passion into creativity because uh, we sort of enjoyed the same things. We sort of failed school together as well. And um, he, yeah, he did Photoshop stuff and he was like designing syndicates backgrounds and syndicates thumbnails and loads of like you know proper gamer youtubers at the time and uh, I, I just sort of like thought it was really cool uh and the way that i started my youtube channel wasn't based around that but it was based on the knowledge that uh anyone can grow a youtube channel like it's not you don't have to be cool at school or the you know the bees knees to actually get people to follow you so i just um from college when i quit Uh, college doing basically learning how to become a secretary i decided that when i was going to learn design by myself if i couldn't find a tutorial online of something that i wanted to like learn i would teach it myself by just like playing around in the software or teach myself a principle and then post it on youtube and hope people would uh, watch it and it sort of like snowballed from there so have you found that by doing uh, YouTube videos continuously as you are, that you're attracting clients? Because I, I noticed that almost all of your content is targeted specifically at designers and not clients. So do you get many inquiries as a result of doing your YouTube videos? All the time, yeah. Like most of the people like that email me, um, so it depends what kind of company you're working for. Like I work for agencies as well as um, like off my own back. I sort of like treat my job. I am technically an agency in the sense of like when a client comes to me and if they've got multiple needs, it's not just a logo. Like I hire other people. 
um, to help out with all the needs, but under my name. So it's like the way that people come to me is they, they normally see a video and they either like are starting a new business or they have a business or it's a company that has found me online that finds me entertaining or knows my skill set and they sort of have that element of trust so they sort of like become a client in one way or another whether that's logo design or hand lettering so just to understand when a client comes to you quite frequently you're outsourcing that to different people that have a similar style to you can i just ask briefly how are you actually um, managing that if if it's under your name are you finding people that do similar work and sourcing it out to them and then are are you are you the person that's collaborating with a client just so that i can understand how that works sure so if it's um for instance if it it depends on the scale of the company so like if like at the minute i'm working for like um a very large company in america and it will be going on for the next two months but i'm only working on like a logo concept for them just one concept to give to them um that that kind of client i work for myself but if uh let's say a for i can't really speak about many of my clients because i've we all make them nda and stuff like that but if a client let's say it was a watch company or something comes to me and they say we've got this new idea um i won't just offer them a logo i'll actually offer them more services i'll do the logo uh, but normally the other sides to the branding sort of like if they ha- wanted animation or web design or brand strategy, I have people in place to give them that. So I'll uh, either get them hired onto the job, the people who are working with it, or I'll just send them to someone that I know that can do it. Or I'll just like hire someone for a couple hours or whatever and do that for them so are you still the person that coordinates with the client and you're just collaborating with these different people to to, uh, complete the tasks sort of yeah it 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 always is different it's not like a set process when it comes to a huge project like i don't really talk about it much on my channel because it can become confusing because i can't give any specifics to a, a certain like clients i'm not i can't really do a case study on it but I, for the majority of the time, if they ask me to brand them uh, and come up with an identity for them, I'll be doing that. And if there are any other needs, I will hire someone to come and collaborate with them. But if there's something that I can't do, but I know they need to have, I'll urge them to go to someone else or I'll get someone else to come to me um, under my sort of branding banner to design that or the website or whatever. But I, I'm the one that talks to the client, yeah. Nice. That sounds really good. Um, I mean, I'm doing something similar at the moment, but I actually pass it over to um, someone else who will uh, complete that task and do all the uh, communication and everything. So there's obviously some great you know, things that, that we can do as individuals to still grow our business to an agency level. Sure. Now, I want to steer back to uh, the YouTube side of things because I know that you it, that's obviously um, positioned you as an expert and you know it's uh, clearly attracting a lot of people towards you so the people like myself and uh, there'd be quite a few people out there they they would have considered uh, to start their own youtube channel 
and they haven't taken action. And uh, in my case, the main reason is because the moment I turn that camera on, I feel nervous <laughs> and I just don't feel comfortable. If I record anything, I, I watch <laughs> it back and I just feel like I look like a retard. Um, so I was wondering, yeah. uh, like, what's been uh, your experience with that when you started out? You know, do you do you suffer from any kind of anxiety with um, what's doing YouTube videos or do you find it quite easy? Oh, it's a difficult question because uh, I am much different in person. I'm a lot different. Uh, I'm not, I've got a persona which is a highly exaggerated. I'm actually really kind of like a solemn. I'm very quiet. I'm not much of a talker, but when I can put myself into a mode where I do talk a lot, like on YouTube videos or podcasts or whatever, um, and it's not a performance. It's more of a uh, an engaging, engaging, engaging tactic. If you get my drift, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, I do. But the, the fear that I had because I've been doing YouTube videos for such a long time for me, it's like a few years now, four years, I think. I've grown used to a camera, and when I look at the camera, I don't see me. I see, you know, my subscribers. I see like the the ones that always watch, and I try and answer those questions that they have. I mean, the only things that um like that I get self-conscious about or fear when it comes to stuff like that is um I pull my beard out and uh I can't grow a proper beard. I just let it like grow out. And also like uh my weight. I also get like, you know, anxious about that. Well not anxious, more of like a self-consciousness of it on camera. But I sort of like uh I sort of strive to push myself to do it. And it's not hard for me now, but at first it was because it's you become like natural to the camera. It's sort of like your friend. It's just like another day when you do it. You know, it, it becomes easier over time. It's like when you first hear your own voice in a recording and you hate it because it sounds weird. And then over time, you won't even notice it's different. You know, it just sounds normal. I can totally relate with that uh, doing the uh, podcasting because when I first started doing it, oh, dear God, I was so nervous and, um, you know, kept saying, um, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable thing. So I think podcasting and videos is clearly the same thing. So for me and anyone out there that's listening to this that wants to start a video, based on what Wills just said, it sounds like you just need to start and just start to get comfortable with it. And that's it. The, the best tip I can give you is to go in with a mindset of you do not have to post this. The amount of videos that are not posted on my channel, like it's unreal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Yeah, because like when you go in with it, and you, like that's why I love video because I'm such a slow guy. Um, I... It, I either talk too quickly and it doesn't make sense or I talk too slow and it, it's not very concise either then. But like I, I go in with the mindset of it's a safe environment because I, in video software or editing software and post-production, I can edit that. I can get rid of that sort of like silence or me, you know, getting mad at the camera or something, you know, I can get rid of all those. So no matter what happens, I can re-record it and make it, decent again so i can bring it to my standard so i can be comfortable with it mm -hmm. so i know a lot of your videos um 
I've watched a few of them and they're like, they're quite heavily um, composited. You know, there's bits of it where it's a video of you, you know, which is uh, like nicely lit. And, you know, you might cut to, you know, a screen capture of you working on uh, a logo, for example. Could you talk through kind of the, the process for uh, creating a video like that? Like what what tools and uh, what software and so on are you using? Sure. So I've just literally, I'm actually uploading a video now, but um, I've literally recorded and edited one now. So the tools that I use for it, I've got these like, they're called aperture LEDs. So on the side, I've got like one that is a key light that bounces off the wall and another one that's a spotlight with an umbrella that diffuses it. Um, really cheap lights. I think they're like 60 quid for both of them. They're on C stands and the softer the light, the better, especially if you've got glasses. So it kind of stops the reflections. Uh, I also have like an audio technica something mic that plugs, <laughs> plugs into my computer through an XLR and, um, that gives me good audio. But the, I think the main thing is just lighting. Like if you can soften the light, get rid of like any, like harsh light it can uh it can make it a lot easier for the viewer to sort of like relax and watch you and it also gets rid of some of the blemishes <laughs> that's great advice so um what kind of camera and software are you using oh yeah by the way the camera is like a bridge camera it takes 4k video and i downgrade it but um the software that i use is ScreenFlow. I record a screen on ScreenFlow 3. I also record my audio into Adobe Audition, and then I edit it in Premiere Pro. Okay, so you're consistently churning out videos, and you have been for years. And obviously creating videos um, takes a lot of time, and I know that you're also doing client work. How are you structuring your your day or your week in, in order to and continuously um, produce uh, good video content and also do your client work as well? Uh, that's a difficult one. It's with, with difficulty. Um, there's been, I've been thinking about this a lot actually recently over the past couple of weeks. Uh, there's a mentality of hustle, like, and I've said it a few times on different podcasts where I just don't agree with the hustle mentality in the whole sense of like, you know, if you want to see your dreams happen, you have to like work ridiculously hard and give up on, I may be exaggerating, but you know, give up on your life, just base your life around working, working 25 seven. And something that I learned very quickly, um, was that it wasn't the amount of time that I was spending on something, it was the uh, the smart time. So I always call it like smart time. Like if I'm using my time correctly, am I, you know, doing things that actually will build my uh, business in the time that I spend? Because I spend about eight to 10 hours a day working. And then on a weekend, I won't work at all. Some days I'll take off. Um, and the time that I fit in, I want to make sure it works correctly. So my day normally structures in the morning, I'll get up, I'll like um, shower, get ready, and then I'll sit at home for a bit looking over my emails. And I use an app called Things 3 um, that organizes my day. And I'll put my to-do list together, check if I've got any meetings at what times, and then I'll hit either an office or I'll go to 
like a restaurant or a hotel and sit there and do some emails and do any admin stuff. Then I'll normally come up here. I'll think about doing a video of some kind and um, I'll start doing client work, do some lettering and I'll just sort of like bounce between them all day, like doing a bit of client work, a bit of lettering. And then sometimes uh, I might not have done a video or sometimes I might not have done any lettering or, you know, it's all about bouncing them around. But I think having multiple things to do during the day, like I always separate them into three projects, like lettering, client work and video. Having those things always leaves me wanting to do one of them. So it's like, I don't procrastinate, I just do it. I do one or the other because it's all I sort of do. But structuring my day is kind of, um, for me, it's easy because I had to learn self-discipline because I've never been employed. Um, I've always worked for myself. I've sort of never had a boss telling me to do something. So mine is based on, I think, a fear of failing. So if I don't do it, then I'm not going to get you know, to that next step. And it's not always a financial failure. It's more of like a moral failure of like, you know, I'm letting myself down or there's like thousands of people that want to see a video today. So I have to put one out. So it's, it's hard to work out how I structure my days. It's normally my wife as well. She normally tells me what I should do uh, based on the work that I've got. So I hope that answers it. <laughs> yeah, it does perfectly. I mean, I'm quite happy because we've actually got time to uh, dive into something else with this because um, I'm quite curious to talk about um, your hand lettering, but I didn't think that we have time for it. So I think, yeah, let's go into that. So with your hand lettering, are you able to talk through uh, like the, the process uh, that, that you take from initial uh, client conversation through to uh, the final piece? Sure. Um, it's very much like the logo design process, but a, a heck easy. It's like a, it's so much easier for me. So, so do you classify um, lettering and logos as two separate things? You know, they're two, two completely different separate processes for you? Oh, yeah, like completely. They're, I have to like, yeah, I have to separate my mind because uh, otherwise I'll be working on every letter form you know, like in a logo, making sure I test each, like, you know, size, scale, you know, reflectivity and stuff like that. I'll always be checking them. Hand lettering is aesthetic, you know, it's, it's meant for a purpose, but it's also meant to be interesting. So it's like a logo isn't meant for me anyway. I don't ever create them to be interesting. I create them to work and for people to make money out of them. Uh, if it gets interesting, that's great. But the primary purpose of hand lettering is to convey a message to a consumer in nowadays in an interesting way that sort of like looks like magic or in a natural human way that can like sort of convey the company's you know mission statement or whatever. So whenever I get a client process or a hand lettering uh, commission, it it follows the same rules as to like the admin of it. So like obviously uh, contracts, paperwork, NDAs, and then uh, payments and stuff like that. Uh, client brief, depending on what it is, if it's an ad campaign or something, it might it may change. But it kind of follows the same thing. The only difference being is that um, I will give them a few concepts. Like with logo design, I don't give concepts. I give one that I know is best. Um, but with hand lettering, I like it to be 
even more collaborative with the client, whoever they may be. So you're treating it more like a piece of art. Yeah. It's very, like, it can be subjective to a sense. Like, it's more subjective than I think a logo design can be. Even though logo design is pretty subjective nowadays. I mean, in the traditional sense of lettering now, um, a lot of people have a lot to say about it. And Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, so I think let's, let's talk about these two things separately. So um, a lettering piece. Like obviously, once you've got the client and you've got the brief and everything, how do you how do you go about starting um, that process in terms of actually like working out what that lettering piece is going to look like? Sure. So um, I normally panic, and then uh, <laughs> not really. I mean, sometimes I do. Um, I'll do what comes naturally. So it starts off with writing the word out. On my iPad, I always use my iPad for lettering now for client commissions because uh, I can do it anywhere. I can, you don't have to scan it. There's so many more features on it. It's just like using a Cintiq for Photoshop, really. So, are you using a, an iPad Pro with the um, Apple Pencil? Yeah, yeah, Apple Pencil and I Adobe Sketch and Procreate. But um, so, yeah, I write down the, the word. I'm just doing it as we speak right now so I can remember. So if, if I had like a, a concept for something, it would like say Merry Christmas. I'll just write it down normally and I'll see the relationships between the letters. And um, I would sort of like come up with like maybe two or three ideas depending on like, you know, the scale of the project and what it's for. Uh, and I'll pick the best one and I would just go for an idea based around the best that I can do subjectively in the actual art artsiness of it. Um, from there, I would build around the letter forms. I would change the, the sort of like spacings, build around the letter forms. And then once I've done that, I would think about effects, whether it's like, you know, supposed to be clean, whether it's supposed to be, you know, a bit more rugged and uh, torn and stuff. And then I would work out then, um, this is really like, you know, paraphrasing it. Um, I'm going off the cuff here. But then I would also like check to see if they want any shadows or like they want it scanned in to look, you know, 3D or anything like that. But mostly my lettering is very 2D, very much like it's been there for 20 years and no one's washed it sort of thing. It kind of like that vibe. So I know that you, you said with the lettering that you normally present the client like two or three different options. Are you, are you um, you know, fully rendering them to, you know, completely finished polished pieces or are you presenting sketchy type work um, at that point? Interesting question because uh, I probably do it really wrong. I actually do render them sometimes. Like a lot of the time, because like I enjoy lettering a lot, it's something that I do for like my job, but it's also part of my daily enjoyment. And it's how I relax when I work on personal Instagram pieces. Um, I kind of sometimes want to finish it to make sure that what I'm coming up with at the end is the best. You know, I don't want them. I want them to see what it could be like. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I like, um, I know there's, there's been a lot of conversation about this. Like some people present, you know, they, they will show the client sketches, whether that sketches on a piece of paper or sketches in, um, yeah. uh, you know, on, on an iPad, for example, but I don't personally agree that I, um, I, I don't know if you have this experience, but if I show someone a sketch, they can't see what I can see. 
yeah you know like i can see something in you know in a rough sketch but they just see the sketch you know what i mean that's it yeah i I guess you have that exact same problem like you don't want to um you don't want the 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 client to 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 get the wrong idea based on you know a sketch (laughs) that's it and that sketch is like that idea that you had even if they said it was great when it was fully rendered and they loved it they will not say it's great when they've already seen it in the worst light it's all about perspective of selling the work is in and with hand lettering um, if I have a couple of different ideas and there's like, say if it was an agency, I would obviously, I wouldn't, you know, render it out. I would just like give them a couple ideas cause they know themselves that it's just a render. But if it's just like, you know, a, like a little business or even just a big, like a big business with no agent involved, um, I, I would tend to make it look as good as possible without spending all my time on it fixing it you know so yeah mm-hmm. so with the lettering pieces just to get um a perspective in, in comparison to logos how long do you typically spend on on a lettering project it depends on the scale or the amount of words i mean it's very like it's hard for me to tell uh for instance you know um today i've worked on like I've been doing a course and everything else, but during my lunch break, I was working on some Merry Christmas ideas. Uh, I wanted to do some really nice Instagram pictures for Christmas and that isn't finished yet. And it took me about an hour, but it's basically finished, you know, and it's just something that I had in my mind. If it's like a, uh, like a branded one for another company, I would spend more time on it uh, because I know that some things that, I like that I would have in it, they wouldn't have in it and they have like, you know, conditions to it and they want to have some sort of say in it. It depends really on like, um, I think my mood and also, um, I guess it's, it's hard to explain, you know, you get a feeling of how, like, you know, when you're fully ready for it and you want to do it and you, you're just raring to go cause you have the idea in your head already. Um, I think it's easier then than it is when you, you're sort of like coming up with a few ideas and then you've got the pressure of money, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I know that. <laughs> so it's a hard question to ask, but like a lot to answer. But generally it'll take for a proper client piece that I normally do, probably on and off it'll take me a week because I don't I don't work in it all the time, all day, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in very much the same boat because I find when you work for yourself because you, you know, obviously you don't have a boss, um, you know, kind of, you know, whipping you to, so to speak, yeah. um, you can kind of, there, there are certain, uh, times of the day when you're more productive and, and better at working at things. So it sounds like you're, you're similar to me that, um, you, you don't pick and choose what you want to work on, but you know, you kind of, you kind of do and you jump between different things cause you've got, um, different types of projects to work on. Yeah, That's that is cool. exactly it. So I want to talk about now, okay, so um, lettering, we've spoken about that. So can you talk through how you go about um, working on a logo project in comparison? Sure. This one's much easier to uh, <laughs> to answer. Um, I work on a lot more logo stuff. So uh, I'll obviously all the admin stuff. Then when, I've, uh, when I'm starting out with the ideas, the first thing that I do is I get my sketchbook out and I do not use my iPad. I only use paper now. Um, I don't know why. I just like paper and pencil for logo. It just seems a lot more, like a lot easier for me. So I don't like get distracted. But um, 
yeah, I get a little dot grid out and I'll just start sketching ideas. Any ideas that I've got in my brain, uh, I'll I'll bring out all the good ones first and I'll see them slowly get worse and worse and worse. And then I know I'm in the right direction because I'm I'm getting worse, you know, like and for me, I always see it as kind of at the start, you need to get all your preconceived ideas out of you it's like sifting through the rubbish to find the good so i just get them all out and um from there i will do some research i'll mood board and i'll go back to creating some ideas and then i'll sort of like sometimes wait see so you um you're doing sketchbook work and then research and then you know mood boards that's quite an interesting way of doing it because i know a lot of people they they literally you know they they might start with the research then the mood boards and then the sketches what's the reason why you jump straight in with sketches um as i said before it's kind of like getting your ideas out because you could have an idea for a company and you could be like raring to go and you're like, yeah, I definitely know what I'm going to give these people, but I must go ahead and like, you know, do some research. No matter how much research you do after, you're still going to do that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're just, you're just having an, an initial brain dump, so to speak of any early ideas. Yeah. And then, you know, once you get to a point where you're basically dry of ideas, that's when you start doing the mood boarding and so on to spark new ideas, basically. That's it. I, I try cool. and make my work look bad at first because if it looks bad, but it works, then you're on to a winner because uh, a logo in like its worst form should be able to convey a message. So that's the reason why. I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks who have been kind enough to sponsor this podcast and allow me to make it possible. FreshBooks makes it really easy to create and send invoices to your clients to make sure you get paid. There's no formatting and you can add your own logo and color scheme too to make sure that your invoices reflect your brand. Another cool feature is that you can actually see when your clients have seen your invoices too, so there's no more guessing. I'll also send automated late payment reminders too, saving you from any of those awkward conversations that no one ever wants to have. It was also recently redesigned from the ground up too, so now it looks absolutely beautiful. It's really easy to use too. So for me as a designer, that's something that matters and I'm sure it will to you too. If you're listening now and you've not yet tried FreshBooks for yourself, now is the time to do it because FreshBooks is offering you a free unrestricted 30-day trial, no credit card required. All you need to do is visit freshbooks.com forward slash logogeek and be sure to enter logogeek in the how did you hear about us section. Now let's get back to that interview. Okay. So you mentioned that you um go into me boarding. What's what's the next part of that process? Um after me boarding, again it's just sketching and I'll sketch for a few days. Um coming up with different ideas, go for a walk and I'll sketch and I'll just have like tons of paper like sketchbooks with me and I'll sort of compile them all together and with a big pen big red pen so to speak i'll just like number them or star the ones that i could work with and then i'll sort of sit and ponder on that logo for a while and see which one i want to vectorize and i'll vectorize one 
that I think works best and I'll test it. And if it doesn't work, I'll vectorize another one, test it, see if it works and so on. Do you have any um, useful methods for kind of um, narrowing those choices down? Because if, if you're literally presenting the, the one, how have you got a, a clever way of knowing that, um, you know, that final logo that you choose to vector is going to be the perfect choice? Um, yeah, I guess like... I think it's more to do with um, it's common sense. So, like, if I'll narrow them down by common sense, and I won't go any deeper than that. Um, so, I may have like fifty of like these little tiny sketches, depending on whether it's an icon or like a fully typographic, you know, letter-based logo, which is what I normally work on. Uh, so, if it's like an icon, I have like fifty of these little icons on a page and a lot of them will look terrible but i know that there's room to improve or to to find the gold inside of there so the way that i narrow it down is just using my common sense like will this work on social media will this work in the sort of applications to which they have expressed in their brief you know um but the generally i don't like one thing i don't trust myself i don't trust my brain i don't trust my eyes so I tend to vectorize them first and like the, the I'll vectorize the ones that I know can work and I'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. I, I do something similar. So I'm like, I, I do a lot of sketching and then, uh, the, the best option, I'll, I'll literally take, um, a highlighter or a colored pen or whatever I got near me and I'll circle the ones that work. Yeah. And then you can narrow it down from there. And then, you know, um, it's like you said, it is kind of like common sense. Once you know um, how a logo should work, that's when, you know, you know that that one is the one. Yeah, totally. I know that you are presenting the client one option. Yeah. Could you talk through what you're actually presenting and how you go about presenting that to make sure that the client is going to agree to that logo because my like i currently present multiple options but i am considering going to one option but my concern's always been what if the client doesn't like that one you know uh, so that's, <laughs> so, i've got a good answer for this one yeah can you talk through um how you're presenting that one option and how you can ensure that the client is going to agree it uh the first thing is that you cannot ensure that they'll agree with it um it's called the art of selling, uh, but backtrack from there. So when I present a logo, it's generally on black and white at first. So it's depending on the scale of the company, whether they have partners and they have to have board meetings or whatever about it. You know, um, if I have to do a full on presentation, I'll go, you know, the whole 10 yards sort of thing. But if it's like a, a not a presentation, I'll come up with like mock-ups and, uh, I'll show them the application of the logo. The reason why I only show one is uh, because if I give them multiple options, what I've found is that then they become the designer. They become, uh, and I've just produced something for them. They have hired me and entrusted me to come up with a, a mark that is the face of their business through my experience and, you know, my eyes and they have faith in that. And if I give them in my like 
understanding of what I've done. Whenever I've given them multiple options, I've only set them up to fail if they choose the wrong one. Uh, the one that I know doesn't work the best. Now, that's not to say, you know, when they've uh, seen it, they want to see another one. Uh, and if they want to see another one, I'll give them another one. And I've already got a few to show them, you know. Um, but if I get them to solely focus and buy in on one logo, then that helps them and it helps me come like very straight headed towards the, the goal. And it's not about the easiest way to do it. In fact, a lot of designers, if they did this, they probably would only ever create one logo and not have any sort of lying around for that company. You know, any other ideas that could work just as well. Um, and the problem, like, I guess with my way of doing it is that some clients could perceive it if they were listening to this as me being lazy uh, as to not presenting them a logo. But in reality, it's all about uh, making them focus on what actually matters, which is this one mark. What do you like and not like about it um, based on nothing else but your preferences right now, not based on another uh, comparison of a logo or anything else uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want them comparing. If they compare the logos, then they start becoming a designer. And we all know that, you know, clients do try and design the logo with you. I'm all for collaboration, but there's a cutoff point as to when you say, no, you've hired me for a reason kind of thing. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like I've actually only really been freelancing just over a year now um, working on the logos and I've adapted my process um, from one uh, that they used at an agency and I've started to, to make it my own. And I'm very much finding that even though I might be presenting multiple options, there's always one which is stronger. Sure. And thankfully, in most cases, I can convince them that one. But you're totally right that when they do pick the wrong one. Yeah. But the thing is, what what you're doing is good, though, because uh, like that means you're good at selling it. That must mean that I'm not because uh, like I don't let them fail. That's why they're paying me a lot to do something, you know. But like if you're showing them that one is like the best and you're able to actually articulate that to them, I think because yeah, I have a problem with articulation sometimes. I'm not very good at speaking, even though I do speak, you know, um, if I don't want to set them up to fail, basically. Yeah, I, I do the bulk of my conversation actually by email, but sometimes the easiest way to get them to agree is actually with a telephone conversation. Yeah. And um, that's when you can speak about the different options and why, you know, like I, I had one client where you like two, two of them, and obviously they were both viable options. I wouldn't um, present um, you know, different options and, and one of them is clearly better. Um, but in, in my eyes, one of them was stronger and I was able to explain the reason why, and I was able to get them to buy into that, but you're right. It doesn't always work now I'm wondering, okay. In, in those situations where the client hasn't liked it, yeah. are you just literally presenting them an, another one? How are you, how are you handling those those objections are you, are you just simply taking out a couple of other options and, and letting them choose from those can um, you talk through how you handle that so if the client doesn't like it the first thing i do is i make a video for them that's private uh i make them um, it's like a critique video 
It's really weird. Uh, I might have to upload one one day, but um, well, I might have to public it. But uh, yeah, you have to now. <laughs> it's basically me in front of my computer in the exact same setup. I treat it like a video, but a bit more formal um, of me explaining the process, and I'll actually show them what I've done. And the and as I walk through the process, I can like remember certain milestones in the creation of it so um i'll be like you know i put this thing here because of this or like you know uh, it didn't match when it scaled or i needed to create a variant because it's on like you know a black background or something uh, and this works because of this and this one doesn't work because of that you know that's the second thing i'll do is um i will not fight my corner i'll fight for the logo because I know that that, even though it's not finished yet and it's a concept and it still needs to be, you know, finalized and stuff, um, I know it will work. So what I do is I try and show them my excitement for it and um, my actual enthusiasm for this one. Um, and if they still don't like it, which does happen, like it does happen, and I don't blame the client for that, they, they've just like, I've obviously either missed the mark at one point of like understanding the brief and translating it or they are making a decision or bad decision, you know? So what I'll do is I'll um, go back to the, not the drawing board per se, but I'll take one of those other uh, ideas that I have vectorized and I'll work on that and I'll try and show them what doesn't work. So the, the biggest part of my presentations really when it comes to that stage is designing what doesn't work. So I spend from that moment on, I spend probably 90% of the time working for them, uh, designing things that won't work, but that they want to see, you know, uh, and I will prove to them it doesn't work. And sometimes they will want it anyway. And, you know, that's just the way that it goes. Sometimes I will always give them, the one that I prefer as well. I'll always finalize it and give them the one that I prefer in case they change their mind uh, because they have hired me for a service, not a product. So um, yeah, that, that's if I've explained that correctly, I hope you understand that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I really like your um, video idea. And, and to some extent, you should probably do that with all clients. I, I, anyway, I'm thinking because it'd be good to... Um, you know, have the opportunity to run the client through the process, your your thought process, and you can kind of get them to buy into the into the end idea because they followed along with that journey. So I, I think that's a fantastic they idea. Also can't butt in either because like they're just listening to a it's video. A video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. Now I think I want to I want to kind of just talk through how you actually started um, your career because I, I know at the beginning of the conversation you you mentioned that you. You, you've never worked for a company you've always worked for yourself yeah and uh you were studying was it admin I, I was learning how to be a sexy secretary a secretary okay so how did you go from learning how to be a secretary to um uh you know working on logos and lettering and doing youtube videos because that's a huge learning curve what how how did that go <laughs> how so, did that happen it's a very strange story that i don't think many people know but um People have heard snippets, but basically uh, I failed all my GCSEs um, by choice. Um, I wasn't a graphic artist, but 
I think the obscenities that I drew on my GCSE papers were sort of lining me up for that, you know? Um, <laughs> like I was not a disruptive student. I was just lost in the uh, education education system. I'm dyslexic, ironically. And uh, but I saw words differently. I couldn't read quick. I wasn't very well spoken. I mean, I can do public speaking fine. I don't know why. I do it all the time in my church. But um, I, I knew that I wasn't academic. My brother was. My dad is. He was a doctor. My mum wasn't. Uh, and I wasn't. So I failed on my GCSEs and I managed to get accepted into a level two course. So I was in college and from there I went and did business admin because I had the word business in front of it. But all it was was me learning how to look sexy and be a secretary, um, write reports and uh, learn business lingo, a bunch of jargon. I, I basically, It was a good time though. I mean, I did enjoy it. It was something that I could get my teeth into. But when I finished my second year, um, because that the second year was like a two-year course in the next level of it, um, and this is where it gets really strange. Now, I'm a Christian, right? <laughs> and I have been since I was like 12. My family isn't, none, no one like I was really friends with were either. And uh, I started like going to like a church uh, when I was very young. Um, like, well, sorry, when I was 12. And then uh, when I was 17, I was, I was like in my faith, like now I'm a Christian and um, I believe in Jesus and God and all that. And I remember just like um, one day asking God why I'm doing what I'm doing and what he wants me to do next because everyone else is pretty scared because they're like, well, you're not going to get an academic job. Are you? You're probably on like, you know, not nothing wrong with stacking shelves at Tesco's, but, you know, no one wants to spend the rest of their lives doing that. And I remember thinking, what am I going to do? And then uh, for some reason in my mind, God just put like in my perspective anyway god just put like this idea of like why don't you do design and at that point i was kind of like that's mental i am crazy like <laughs> because uh <laughs> i've never touched photoshop i've never i've can't draw and i'm bad at learning and so how old was you at that point i think i was seven, yeah 17 or 16 turning 17 and um and I was just like, that that's crazy. I'm not going to do it. But then I did do it. I thought about it. And um, I was like, well, if when I come out of college, I'm not going to exactly get a job being a secretary because like, uh, there is no jobs for that around here. So uh, I just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust whether it was God or my gut feeling. I think it was God. And uh, I went ahead and quit college, told my girlfriend who's now my wife that i'm doing this she freaked out my mum and dad freaked out uh my dad was kind of like i oh, just let him get out of the system um and i sat for three years learning uh instead of going to uni um i took out a loan and i sat for three years learning and so how was you learning sorry was you was you doing some kind of online course or did you go to some kind of um you know, courses at a local college or something? No, no, I just uh, learned on the computer. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it. So you found tutorials online and uh, you started learning and practicing and that's amazing. Yeah, I was just reading books. Like um, I got like a book about grids and then uh, this passion just started like consuming me of like creativity. It was like a dream come true. I was like, maybe one day I might be able to draw. 
you know, maybe one day I can do this. So I started doing that. I created a t-shirt business called Prophecy Apparel, uh, which I still do own, but I don't sell anymore on there. Um, but uh, that didn't really work out because I wanted to do more client work and I wasn't really making money. So even though I was creating YouTube videos and stuff like that, I sort of started to focus on the old school nitty gritty lettering and calligraphy uh, and that sort of coincided with everything so it it's an amalgamation of like um learning by doing so like i was literally learning as i was going i was making fake projects for clients like they weren't real clients i was just creating fake projects i was a I can't remember exactly what videos I was watching, uh, but I was watching like illustrated tutorials and stuff. And then I'm really good at systems. So I'm really good at working out how software works. So I was just doing that, reading blog posts, looking at other people's work and really dissecting and uh, reverse engineering how uh, designers created things. And I learned in a new way myself. And that sort of like spun out into the tutorials online where you know, I, I guess a lot of people might see it as me teaching in a different way, you know, and that's how I became here. You know, it just sort of like, uh, everything sort of fell into place. It's a weird story, but, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> nuts. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, when you was, um, a young teenager, you were very lost and, um, you didn't really have, um, you know, a, a place in the world, so to speak. But the moment you, um, started started learning how to do lettering and uh, working on logos. That's when you know you found your passion. Yeah, I just like I've always been good at like playing guitar and stuff like that, and things for my hands I can do. Sounds wrong, but you know I'm I'm all right. You know doing stuff. And when I started learning calligraphy, it was so calming and uh, it was something to really put my focus into. And then Instagram and YouTube started taking off. You know so. It's hard for me to explain. If you got my wife on it, she'll probably explain it in like 10 <laughs> seconds, you know. But so, uh, how, how did you get your first client then? Because I know you said that you was creating all these um, fake projects. Was you putting them on a website or something? Like, how, where, where did your first client come from? Your first paid client? How <laughs> Again, did that this come is about? like a really cool story. <laughs> um, right, so I've got an awesome neighbor. Uh, when I was living with my parents, um, they were... Uh, our neighbors across the road, I used to hang out with them when I was younger. And he was like, um, the neighbor's son was creating or started a painting and decorating business. And um, for some reason, I don't know how, I think it was my wife formerly, she was my girlfriend. She was friends with his girlfriend. And I mean, he was a nice guy. He's called Ken. And, um, and I speak to him every now and then, but he, he wanted me to design a logo for him for his business. You know, I, I papped myself. I didn't know, uh, I was like, ah, oh, crap, this is my first logo. And, uh, I, I quoted him 30 quid, like 30 pounds, which is probably like how many dollars. <laughs> no, I, I, I did one that was uh, like 25 pound when I first started out. So we're in the same boat. Yeah. So and I literally, um, <laughs> I designed him a logo and I used like a serif font and, uh, and I don't know how I was it. I was, it was actually a big project for the first project because uh, it was going on brochures, business cards, and a van. So, and it, it, he was my neighbor. So I'd have to like face him every day, you know? Yeah, um, yeah it's a big deal. So I spent like a week 
coming up with this one thing and I didn't know what I was doing, right? That's the the time when I realized, you know, um, this is for me, but it's just so fun learning how to do it. So I basically did it and, um, oh man, I'm going to have to get you a picture of the logo because it's, it works really well. And I'm not even kidding. I'm not ashamed of it because every time I come out of my office, because his van is parked opposite the road to me every time well, you have to take a picture if it's uh if it's your first logo and people haven't seen it we we need to i'll, I'll put that in the show notes <laughs> yes because like it's so strange and it's such a nice reminder from where i've come from because every time i finish work and i go outside it's parked there i see it damn your story is nuts so you you start you literally started almost pretty much from nothing not having any qualifications but you've been able to build up this um yeah and he gave me 40 pounds as well instead of 30 nice brilliant (laughs) so that was your first project and then everything went from there like your your youtube following has grown um you got more and more clients you know you're at the point where you you built an agency and you're collaborating with people i think yeah you're you're well known in the industry yeah you're well known in the industry like i've i've known your name for a while i've seen your videos and stuff so it's nuts to know um you know that you literally came from nothing and you built it up it's it's amazing well i think You've done an amazing oh job. thank you so much i just wanted to say as well like um anyway as a little encouragement because uh, that thank you for saying that though ian because like uh, it's reminded me of something that i've you know said to my wife you know uh, at that time i had nothing to lose yeah you didn't really you, you so, literally had um nothing because a lot of people when they come out of um college they've they've got some qualifications or something and if you don't i don't know if you if you if you come out of school i my immediate f- feeling is you're probably not going to get a job or you're going to completely struggle so I've, i think you've done you know you've yeah you've done, you've done well well to um get to where you are now and um you know i'm pretty excited thank you so uh, for much for what, what the future is it's awesome that's a really encouraging because uh sometimes it you know even as a like i'm sure you get it as well you know people who are seen or deemed to be successful by other people they don't feel that sometimes you know they feel like there should be an end to the yeah uh, of like if I just get there I've made it or whatever but then in reality it's just like there's another mountain to climb and you know yeah, the more yeah. hill that you yeah. see is someone else's mountain and it's like it's a perspective thing right yeah it's a really strange thing because I know I've I've always had um, goals of what I wanted to do and and to some degree a couple of years ago I actually reached that point yeah um, so for example I, I got a logo in a book I got an article in a magazine I was featured on like creative block um, getting invited to these award things you know all this stuff you know which you kind of when you imagine it as a kid yeah. it's like you can imagine all the people cheering and like you know you're standing on a pedestal and it's like yeah i made it yeah but the reality of it is you're getting a book you show everyone and then no one cares anymore because it's like yeah well done you know there's there's um yeah literally it's not what you imagine and you just need to keep going and it's like um you know the the reality of it is that there isn't actually an end it's just you just need to keep working towards your goals and um you know, everything is about the journey, not the final destination, because the destination isn't what you imagine it's going to be. <laughs> that is like, pressure, yeah, that's the way it is. It is. It's like you've got more to lose as well, so the pressure's on. <laughs> oh, come on! You're not gonna. I don't. I don't think. Um, I I wouldn't think like that. You know, if if anything goes wrong, it's not going to go drastically wrong. Don't 
you know, uh, don't don't be thinking YouTube, that. It's like, please do not shut off my channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the worst thing that can happen. It's like you, your channel go. But to be honest, um, you know, people that are subscribing, they know you. So if you ch- if your channel did just vanish, just start it back up again. People will carry on watching. I'll, I'll you know, make a, a website called MeTube or something like that, and just directly <laughs> compete with them. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a brilliant idea. Well, I, I know that you've got um, a bright future ahead of you. So it's been a, a real pleasure to uh, chat with you. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Logo Geek podcast. No worries, man. It's been great speaking to you. Yet another fantastic interview. Thank you, Will, so much for being a fantastic guest and for openly sharing your story with us. If you want to learn more about Will, you've got to check out his website and that's at willpatterson.space. And from there, you can check out his work and his YouTube channel too. Show notes for this episode can be found at logogeek.uk forward slash 2.4. If you want to chat logo design with myself, Will and over 3000 other logo designers, you must join the Logo Geek community on Facebook and you can find that just by visiting logogeek.uk forward slash community now the group is totally free but it's very active from designers from around the world all at different stages of their career now it's a a designer only group so it's a safe place to share your work in progress that means that you can share your work learn from others and you know chat with other logo designers just like you Now, if you've been enjoying the podcast, uh, do subscribe. And if you can write a review, that would be hugely appreciated because at the moment I have very few and I don't think I've actually got any this season. So if you can do that, it would help so much. So thank you very much if you are able to do that. So guys, thank you so much for listening again. I really appreciate you and I'll see you next time.